We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host, my partner in crime, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart for our midweek show. Buddy, how you doing? Hey, man, it's going good for the midweek show. Hump day, as we say out here on the West Coast. Man, looking forward to uh, chopping it up with you and the fans today. And it is a pretty solid podcast. I've been actually waiting for this show, the offensive line show with all the changes going on. We're going to look at the offensive line. We're also going to keep getting into We're almost done. I promise we're almost done with the tour run the league. We have the Redskin Capital Connections. Chad Ryan took the Washington Redskins and see if they're getting that, that franchise turned around. But before we do, folks, we want to remind you that our, our show is sponsored by Jim Hawk and his book, Hollywood Team. We also want to remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. Oh, and of course, Apple Music. And speaking of Apple Music, don't forget, we are still running that contest, so we'll run it as long as it takes. For 200 five-star reviews, once we get there, we will go ahead and pick a winner of a 75-hour gift to NFLShop.com. Here's how you enter. You can go over to Apple Music. You'll leave a five-star review. And what I mean by leaving, you actually write something in. So let people know what you think about us if you if we do deserve that five-star review. And then make a screenshot of it, 
sent to us at Rams Top 1945 so we can enter you in the contest because sometimes the login names are different than what you'll find in Apple Music. And that way we can give you a reward. We'll also read your your feedback on the show because, well, quite frankly, we're thankful. We want to give you a shout-out. If you believe we don't quite deserve that five-star review and you don't want to give us that review just yet or leave a review because you you want to give us that shot to earn it, hey, send us an email at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com and leave your vo- leave your message to us. Leave your feedback with us. Let us know what you like to see different. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. And if you really, really are feeling motivated, send us a voicemail at 657-666-5453 and you can tell us that way as well. All right, Mike, we're talking about the offensive line today. And it's this is different. This, this is where the team, I think, this, and, you, and correct me if you think I'm wrong here, I think the 2019 season is built on in terms of success, the offensive line. If the center and left guard position work out well, then the Rams are going to be fine offensively, and we're probably looking at the NFC West champions. If the offensive line in the interior falls apart, then we're looking at a rough season. That's how I see it. What are your thoughts here? Well, basically, the core to any good team that's going to win long term is you you got to be solid up front and up front you know many will argue oh you need a a defensive front but you really need your o-line offensive line uh to be solid across the board you know able to reestablish that line of scrimmage by pushing defenders downfield or keeping defenders off your quarterback or making room for a running back to be able to get some yards so o-line definitely to me is going to be at the core of any good team. So basically you're saying, just to, just to shorten it up a little bit, you're saying you agree with me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So going right to the personnel, and we're going to try and and see who we think will make the team, who are practice squad prospects. I, I'll admit, Mike, I'm, I'm very foggy on who I think will make this team out of this group because there are a lot of young guys on there, guys who – were undrafted, but had some certain had certain buzzwords about them in terms of their temperament that make you think maybe just maybe they may find their way on this roster. The first one we're coming to is at center, Brian Allen. When he was drafted in 2018, he graded out per the NFL.com grading system as a 5.26, which would put him at a, as an NFL backup or a special teams potential guy. He's he's a grinder. Uh, according to Lanzerline over at the NFL.com, uh, what they have for him, the quote he has is that he called that dude Bully the Big Ten because he's always bringing it to somebody each and every game. He's got the alpha mentality becomes he come, because he comes from that kind of family. He might get drafted late, but he'll make a team. That was from an NFC area scout, according to NFL.com. Uh, he's basically what is viewed as his weaknesses is that he has some problems with his step-to-step quickness. His footwork. He doesn't have a whole lot of length. And he will need to be more quick, have more punch when it comes off the line in passing situations. So, and running situations for that matter. So that's the basic on him. This is coming out of college. And here's the, he was projected, Mike, as a seventh round guy, maybe even somebody that would be an undrafted free agent. And the Rams took him in the fourth round. From what we've seen out of the Rams and how they view offensive linemen, what we've seen from Aaron Cromer, what do you make in this situation where we expect Brian Allen to basically become the starter this year? So what we've been groomed for as a guy who just a year ago, year and a half ago, was used as a, as a seventh rounder or even an undrafted free agent. Well, you know, that's that's one of the great things about sometimes being drafted out of those lower rounds. As you noted earlier, you get a guy who's more gritty. He's just more willing to work a little harder, uh, get a little more physical, do whatever he needs to do to make sure he's on a team and, and playing. So when you, you take those combinations of a guy who's expected to be a guy that is going to get beat out every year. Most time, those guys, you know, reminds me a little of myself. Not that you have a chip on your shoulder, but you always have something to prove. And your thing is, hey, bring on whoever you think. We'll see who the last man is standing. So Brian seems to have some of those qualities 
where he's just willing to to gut it out, work a little harder, and that I'm sure has allowed him to be in contention for the starting center. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor, or Athletic Los Angeles, earlier this year stated, you know, and just basically during discussions with fans who were upset that the Rams let Saffel go, didn't bring back Sullivan, base that hey, the Rams didn't play Allen or Noteboom much last year. Joe Noteboom, we'll talk about him a little bit later. But the one thing they did do is they got a lot of reps with the first team throughout the year, and so they've had plenty of time to evaluate them. And it's pretty clear right now that the Rams are comfortable with Allen and with Noteboom. Matter of fact, the Rams did not draft a center in this last draft. They actually went out and got the Youngstown State guy, Vitas, later as an undrafted free agent. So they have there has to be something that they like about them. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, you know, I, I saw an article a little bit uh, regarding and Les Snead saying uh, to that effect that, you know, they're comfortable with, with him uh, and some of the other guys that have been with the team in regards to moving forward. Again, I think that's one of the advantages the the team has going into this season, even though, you know, as we talked about on, on Sunday in regards to where the Rams may finish up, but I think it's a strength overall that they have some continuity with coaching staff, continuity along the line, and you have opportunity for guys to now step up and be the guy. Put those things into play and you have an opportunity to have a very, very, very solid uh, line up front, starting with with this young man, Mr. Allen. Yeah, and they're also looking at possible competition. Back in April, late April, Cam DeSilva from Ramswire wrote an article about the potential of potential of Austin Blythe becoming the center next year, competing win that spot. And I've seen a little bit about that. I just I don't see. It. I think the Rams liked him at right guard. He did a great job at right guard. And I would say Blythe is that guy who will be next to Allen in the lineup. They also drafted Bobby Evans and David Edwards, who are potential backups. Bobby Evans maybe even a starter one day at a tackle position. So I'm looking more as the that interior line, no boom, Allen, Blythe. How did you feel about the possibility of Blythe winning the center spot and then going with somebody else at right guard? Well, you know, that's the great thing about that those two positions in the interior line, first of all, center, you, you have to be pretty intelligent to help make all the line checks and things like that. So obviously those guys must have those qualities else. They wouldn't even be thinking about them being able to be somewhat interchangeable parts. The thing with competition at that level does, it makes everyone realize that you can't rest on your laurels and you can't just show up and say, oh, you know, they didn't draft the guy. Well, I'm going to be the guy so I can just go out there and start doing whatever. Competition allows, one, you to stay probably at the peak of whatever your peakness is, if you will, uh, and go out there and compete each and every day, knowing that there's a guy that can step right in for you. So that's part of, you know, I don't want to say the fear factor of the NFL, but when you're talking about, you know, losing your job because you're not competing, well, most guys are saying, well, I'm going to at least compete. And if they change their mind, that's fine. I'm just not going to come out here and give my job away. There are some concerns, though, about all three guys in that entire line. We're talking again about Noteboom and Allen and Blythe. Blythe in particular, we saw him a lot last year. He did a great job. However, late in the year, we saw Blythe get beat off the ball quite a bit. And not just get beat, but beat badly. And that does kind of hover in the back of my mind, especially since you've lost two veterans next to you in that interior line. Yeah, that's true. And those are the things that you get to live with in the offseason to hopefully work on and improve so that when you come back, you're not the guy, you know, we have a saying here in high school, don't be the pigeon, you know, meaning don't be the guy that go, oh, we can just send the guy over him and we'll get a sack or we'll blow up the player, things like that. So you don't want to be that guy in the film room on Monday, your old line coach and your, your old coordinator and everyone else is looking at you because you're just getting handled. So you take all those things in, in mind. And the thing I love about 
just sports in general, it gives us an opportunity to be these pundits, you know, armchair quarterbacks, if you will. But there's a reason why a guy gets to the NFL, however, whatever draft round or whatever, but there's something in him, some intangible that allows him to get there. Now it's just a matter of competing. So, you know, hopefully if you didn't have such a great year last year, we don't know, maybe had some type of ankle injury late that they didn't really put on the injury report or whatever. Some he's dealing with a groin issue. Who knows? Uh, but a lot of times those things don't hit the injury wire, but you're out there trying to do your job where you're not at full strength. So you just never know what those things all entail because we're not always privy to all the information uh, that could be going on on the reason why you're playing great or not so great. Yeah, I'm. I'm just interested in seeing how they come in. I'm even watching very close at camp these first couple of weeks here and see how they hold up and how they do together as that first team unit. Also, as centers here, we have two more to look at: Venus Herinkiewicz. I'm going to go with that from my hometown yeah. school here. I, you know what? I live in Youngstown, Ohio. He went to Youngstown State. I got to watch him quite a bit. I've never been able to get his name right. I'm never. I'm not even going to try and disrespect him by going again at it. I can tell you that the program here at Youngstown State competes in the toughest conference in all of the championship subdivision. They play NFL talent all the time. Just guys who are late bloomers who are drafted later on. He is. He's got a level of toughness to him. He's got a level of of leadership in the huddle. I have some concerns, but overall, I think he has a shot at making the team. And one of the main reasons I think he has a shot at making the team, if not making the actual roster, definitely making the practice squad, is Aaron Neary. And he's he's a guy who has been with the Rams now a couple times last year, got himself in trouble uh, during, um, I think it was before camp. Eventually, he is released you know, not released. He goes to practice squad, and someone picks him up. Rams pick him up again, and then he's himself suspended for this year, the first two games. To me, if you're going to be suspended for the first two games of the season, if you've already been in trouble in the past, the Rams have given you plenty of chances. And I think, if that's the case, it's going to be really hard for Aaron Neer to make this team. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is at. At this level, especially this early on in your career, you don't want to be a repeat offender. And so that just speaks for itself. Uh, The idea that you are, you know, that whatever, that one or two percent that actually gets an opportunity to play, as we say, on Sunday. And the first thing you want to do is, you know, try to cheat the system or not abide by the rules of the system. Well, that just says, you know, yeah, do we make mistakes? Yeah, but the thing at that level, there's meetings, there's information, there's everything that's out there that tells you this is how you conduct yourself as an NFL player. And when you just kind of go about that and and don't fall in line with it, then to me, that speaks to something in your mindset that goes, yeah, <clears throat> I just hopefully I can get chance after chance because there's just too many guys that are fine for those few jobs that come open every year and opportunities. And ultimately you just don't want to be a guy that's a repeat offender. And typically, unless you're a super, super, superstar, you don't usually get a lot of chances to mess it up. And that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking he is probably there as a camp body. They're going to give him a chance to, prove himself, otherwise they wouldn't even have him there, he's going to have to be super impressive. He's going to have to be a guy who turns heads throughout camp while testing clean, by the way. I'm not sure what he got in trouble for, but I I have my doubts. And another reason I have my doubts, too, is because when you look at how many different prospects are available at the guard position, young guys, many of them are, are rookies. And when you're trying to fight for when you're trying to fight for a roster spot, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to hold on to a guy who's in trouble when you have a bunch of other hungry guys that you can interchange in other positions. So guard, one guy in our list stands out here at guard, 
And that's Jamil Demby. He was a Rams six-round pick last year, not this year, last year. He actually graded pretty high at a 5.52 core NFL, NFL.com, which is a chance to come an NFL starter. The Rams had him on the practice squad and then lost him last year. Uh, the Detroit Lions picked him up, and the Rams were able to get him back, though, which tells me it wasn't that they didn't want him. If you remember when they when they had to let when they let Jamil go, it was because they didn't have all the space available at the time. It was not that they didn't want him. So I'm interested in seeing him. And the reason why I'm interested in seeing him, Mike, is because he's got the measurables. He's a six foot five, three hundred nineteen pound guy. Up, I think he's up a little bit now from that. He is physically powerful. He was actually projected last year to go in the fourth round. He kind of slipped a little bit. He started all four years at Maine. He's a run blocking, run blocking guy. He's to me a player they can work with due to the fact he's got that size, six foot five, three twenty, to really make a difference overall. But we didn't see a whole lot of movement from the Rams in terms of getting offensive linemen early in the draft is because of Jamil Demby. He could easily slip in there and potentially win himself a spot at right guard, for example. And we wouldn't even see it coming. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, again, when you talk about the measurables, man, they speak for themselves. And then the opportunity for a guy to come back to a team. Uh, back in my day, we had a a late round draft pick. His name was Fred Stokes, a defensive end for us. Uh, played sparingly as a rookie and a little bit, got released, went to Washington, became an all pro. And then we ended up getting him back a couple years later. Uh, so it was interesting to see, like, here was a guy who ended up going somewhere else and becoming a star, if you will. And then we were able to get him back at some time. So looking at this Jamal Demby, uh, Jamal Demby, uh, right off the bat, they were able to get a guy back, which tells me they know something's in him that can make him be a productive player for us. Yeah, and again, it, just, it kind of fits the line too, like because they had, they it's not like they wanted him to go. They had to shift the roster around due to some early roster shakeups, and he wound up being in a place where the Lions could go get him, and here he is back again. So the Rams clearly liked what they saw him. They, if they didn't want him back, they went and got him. And I'll give you an example of that because a certain other player was released last year. Was let go. Went to the Giants. Remember him? Remember a certain Jamon Brown, a six foot four. Oh yes, yes. Three hundred and forty pound guy. The Rams yes, yes. could have got him on the cheap in free agency if they liked him or want to bring him back. Could have got right. him on the cheap. And he's a Falcon right now. Yeah. So again, you know, that's what I love that that we're able to look from the outside, if you will, and kind of speculate on. Hey, what was the reason behind this? The reason behind that. But uh, I can just tell you from being inside the locker room that the guys uh, like less management and the scouts and the coaches, you know, they typically know who the players are. And so if they lose a good guy and are able to get them back, there's a reason why that they they did that. And so I would imagine definitely for Mr. Demby, this is going to be a great opportunity for him to say, man, thanks for bringing me back. And let me show you what I can do. Yeah, I, I really think he's a dark horse here. We're not talking about him much, but he's basically been the system on and off for the, for the last year and a half now. By the end of the year, it'll be two years. He knows the coaching staff. They obviously trust him to bring him back. I like the idea of this, especially since it's kind of going under the radar that they went and got him and brought him back. They went and got him for a reason, so... You know, I'm watching that very closely. He could be a dark horse kind of guy. Other guards that are there, young guards. Chandler Brewer came from Middle Tennessee State, had the potential to be drafted higher, but then come to find out he came from a small school, and at one point he had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Definitely affected his stock a little bit. Uh, He's got good size. There's a lot of things that people say good about him. If he makes a team, it would not surprise me, given that he's healthy now. And, you know, he had pretty good measurables heading into the draft before he got sick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the heart goes out to a guy like that who at a young age had to battle 
you know, this type of disease, uh, which, you know, can be a tremendous uh, attack on one's body. So to see him being able to be back and ready to go, man, that's just a tremendous blessing for him, I'm sure, and his family, again, for the opportunity to be alive and then opportunity to be able to, you know, play on Sunday. So a guy like that is going to take advantage of the opportunity and believe me he's going to show up every day at camp one with a smile on his face and two he's going to let everyone know he's there to mean business because he is a guy who's lived through something that definitely could have been taken away uh and so i'm sure he he's going to relish in every opportunity he gets to show up and show out yeah so i i'm I'm sure we'll both be watching. Yeah, that's a heck of a story. And the Rams happen to like people with stories. I don't know if everybody's realized that they love a good story. And there's one for, them, for the Rams to look at. Here's another one. Brandon Hittner. I said again, Brandon Hittner from Villanova. He did play center there. He's viewed more as a guard now. He was seen as a potential guy to go right around the 6th or 7th round in the draft. Graded out as a NFL backup or a special teamer. But Look at what he's good at, Mike. He has short arms. We got it, but he's also athletic. He is able to play multiple positions. And he's also very good in zone scheme heavy teams. Hmm. What other team do we know of? What team do we know about that likes to play the zone heavy stuff? <laughs> Isn't that your team from up north? Well, yeah, but. I think the you know, Rams do quite a bit as well, don't they? They do a lot of that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. They sure do. And uh, his he has, on his scouting report, intelligence. He comes out of the stands well. He has good feet, an above-average pool blocker. This has come from NFL.com. And the weaknesses to me are things you can mostly fix. Yeah, he has short arms, so that just means you're going on the interior. He doesn't seem to have a lot of punch and pass protection. I think that's something you can fix. You can fix some aggressiveness with people. He has a tendency to lunge when he gets impatient. Okay, that's something you can work on. So the flaws I'm seeing in his game, to me, are the fixable flaws. You know, the, the things that teams can work out of somebody, like especially a head coach like Aaron Cromer. So Hitner's a guy to watch. He fits their scheme. He knows what they like. And he actually had a pretty decent draft grade that he, he, he slipped through the cracks. That's what happened. He slipped through the cracks. When you're talking about uh, good scouting departments and things like that and coaches, is being able to find typically what we call diamonds in the rough. And so this may be one of those players who's a diamond in the rough that you know may get overlooked by this team or that team because of whatever. I love the idea about you know, short arms, and I laugh because if we're going to be, you know, we're talking about, obviously, NFL football players, so I guess everybody should be a, a monster or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I mean, I'm a human being, so my arms, you know, how, how long should they be? <laughs> so, but I like what you're saying in regards to absolutely the things that maybe looked at weaknesses or flaws are actually just football-related things that just a little more practice, a little more work here. Sure. You get a coach. You know, obviously, you're a college player. Now you're going to be an NFL player. You know, you just got to learn to be coached and step your game up on those things that can prove, improve you as an NFL player. And honestly, whenever I see someone saying short arms, I just kind of I, I shrug. Because all that really means to me is you just move the guy inside. That's all you're reading. Right. You're, he's never going to be a left tackle then because you're not going to have the reach for it. Okay. So what about the rest of them as a football player? Just move them inside. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you could go down the list of every single player, even the great ones, and you could find what would be considered a flaw. The thing yeah. that you can't determine from a physical standpoint or just looking at somebody is – how hard they're going to play for you, how long, how consistent, you know what I mean? So those things are, are a little bit more hidden in regards to just the overall. But, yeah, you know, measurables are good, and, you know, you look the part, and hopefully you can play the part. But, you know, a lot of guys look like Tarzan, play like Jane. 
Very true. Very true. Okay, so here's the next guy, Jer- Jeremiah Cologne from San Jose State. Interesting in that uh, with what I found on him, and there isn't a whole lot, by the way, I found Pro Football Focus's interior offensive lineman rankings from 2018 draft, and they actually had him four slots ahead of Brian Allen on their ranking list. The reason why he's productive, has solid pass blocking efficiency, and overall in three years of grading, he had a 90.7 in in, uh, 2016. He's consistent, so he'll be a guy to watch. I have my doubts that he'll make the roster, but we'll see in terms of what he can do. Also, their offensive line, Matt Kasky, there isn't a whole lot about him as well. A lot of the same measurables, a lot of the same characteristics, so it's clear the Rams have a philosophy. Moving on to the tackles, and this is where we're going to talk a little bit, especially about Joe Noboom and Bobby Evans. Rob Havenstein is the current right tackle. He's under contract for quite a while yet. He's going to be here for I don't know what their plan is long term because a couple of the guys they drafted seem to be better fits at right tackle. But Andrew Whitworth, I'm guessing this is his last year. The original intention from what we've read and talked about is for was for Joe Noboom to take over for him at left tackle. We'll see if that still happens next year or not. David Edwards, the Rams drafted him this year. Interesting guy. He is. He was seen as a potential NFL backup with special teams as well. Potential Rams threw in the fifth round, late in the fifth round, the five um, with the throw with first pick. He is a guy who had a, has played a lot of football. He has a sporting background with his family, but his well, his weaknesses hurt him a little bit. And what I mean by that, some of the things that we're talking about, his outside hand often gets erased often gets stuffed, which opens a path to the quarterback. When we talked about that, that's big for offensive line. There's some things, if you can't fix them, you're in trouble. He is not a player who does real well coordinating his upper and lower body. His feet have a hard time, especially when he gets in his base block positioning. So there are, de- there are definite weaknesses there, but there was something about the fact that the Rams liked him. And here's the big thing that raises my eyebrows. It's where do you go to school, and that's Wisconsin. Where's Rob Havenstein from? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, you know, again, but, you know, what I love about Rob, you know, you got a guy who's who's been here, right? And mm-hmm. so that should play to a great advantage, you know. So now it's, it's a matter of are you competing each and every day? Are you going out here? with still a chip on your shoulder, if you will, and, excuse me, and, you know, doing all the things that's being asked of you and playing at that position, you know, that that's a premium position, you know, whether you're on the right side or left side, I mean, you're still going to be playing against some of the best defensive ends or outside backers in the game. Yeah, And, and he's an athlete, too. This guy's a former option quarterback. He played basketball in high school as well. He's an athlete. Yeah. He's got long arms. He's six six three zero eight. There may be some serious weaknesses in his game, but what I'm seeing here is the Rams saw raw ability, and they're going to try and make it work. And I wouldn't be surprised, knowing Aaron Cromer, if we see him become a starter at some point down the line. No, absolutely, because – you have to look at and that's what's you know great about to me this year because of some of the departures and things that have happened there's great opportunities for guys to say i'm your guy and so that's what i love about this year's camp there's going to be a lot of com- competition especially you got a lot of young guys going to be trying to vie to make uh, a nfl roster you know how many guys get that opportunity so I'm going to imagine that competition competition will be stiff, fierce, and consistent because you don't want to say, oh, if I had just worked a little harder, I could have. No, you don't want to be that guy. So, uh, again, a guy like Rob, you know, coming under the tutelage of a great coach, he, he's going to be probably something special. And then comes Bobby Evans, the third rounder. He is a guy who could, be, who could develop into a potential starter. He has some lineage ahead of him in terms of at Oklahoma. That's a key thing, too. He played Oklahoma. 
behind that on that offensive line with people like Orlando Brown. That's who he replaced in 2018, and he actually did very well, excelled, earning second-team All-Big 12 honors. He also started across from Brown at right tackle in all 14 games as a sophomore. He's got experience. He's got a strong frame, 35-inch arms nearly. He is not phased by things like bull rushes. He's got good strength. The concern is he's a little shorter than average at the tackle spot at, of all things, 6'4". Okay. I, I kind of roll my eyes there. He does lunge a little bit. So basically things I'm reading plotting with heavy feet out in space. A lot of these things, again, on the Sky Report are things you can fix. Yeah, and, and again, these are things that ultimately are something that, again, practice – and those type of things but when you've played on a big time big time stage like Oklahoma you know you had to do a lot of pass blocking because of the way they ran their offense to me all those things are going to play to your strength and a guy like him is going to say yeah man I've probably been undersized maybe not all his life because that's a big dude to me (laughs) but you know, as far as college and maybe as far as the NFL level, he's already played against guys that are supposed to be bigger, stronger, faster, and all those things. So it's not something that he's going to be scared to deal with because he's somewhat been there, done that. But of course, you know, you're going to be in the NFL and those type of things. And so, but I just think it's a great opportunity, you know, for a guy like him to come in and, and make his uh, wares known early on. And finally, here's Joe Nopum. Now our second-year guy out of TCU. We saw him in limited action last year. Uh, when Andrew Whitworth got hurt a little bit late in the year, he came in, and uh, Joe, Joe did a great job. And I can see why they're high about moving him in to the uh, – to left guard and maybe make him take, have him take over at left tackle here down the line. Actually, you know what, Mike? I'm actually going through this list and looking at these players they brought in. I actually feel a lot more secure about this offensive line than I did before we kind of talked him through. Reading through Scott yeah, reports. Absolutely. You know, as you're as you're looking at it, as you go through it, you know, then you start to get more into reality, not speculation. You know, and so you look at the reality of, you know, a guy's size and speed. You look at the reality of where he played in the conferences. You look at the reality of the team he's on and the coach he'll be playing under the scheme we run. And you start going like, you know what? This is probably a lot better line than a lot of people think because we got some of the old to teach the new. But the thing with new Hopefully, less injuries, less wear on the body, and just a little more hunger. Yeah, and what we saw that from Joe when he got some time last year, he came in there and this guy was a bowling ball. And I think what is making me really kind of turn my thoughts back to this offensive line is let's just say Joe and and Brian Allen struggle with Middle, even even Austin Blythe. The guys they have behind them are guys who at least physically have the ability to step in. If I look at the Rams' offensive line five, six years ago, did I trust any backup to come in there and do anything? No, I didn't. Exactly. So I think we're okay. I think we're okay. And, you know, know, I'm looking at this and going, (laughs) the Rams are fine. They're fine. Why are we, why are people freaking out about this offensive line? Why are predictions changing based based on the offensive line? I don't know. Uh, real quick, because we're running out of time here, the centers: Brian Allen, Austin Bly, Vitas, and Neary. We're gonna go Allen, Bly, make the team. I'm guessing Neary does not. Vitas, I have no clue. How do you feel about? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, Neary just you know again. Uh, just repeat offender stuff. I, I just think that, you know, a younger guy like uh, the big V, Henry Kiewitz. I'm going to have yeah, to go. Yeah, you gave it a shot. Let's, let's just move on. Let <laughs> me find. Okay. Guards, I'm going to go. I think Demby yeah. obviously will make the team. I think he wanted to be a practice squad guy. I think he'll make the team. I think we. I don't know about Cologne and Caskey. I would not be surprised if Hittner or Brewer made the team. Definitely one of the makes a practice squad. Tackles, 
have his time. We know we'll make the team. Whitworth will make the team. I think Edwards will make the team. Evans will make the team. And Notebook will make the team. So I think the tackles, the guys who are have been primary tackles in the past, will make up the brunt of the team, especially because of the offensive line, because they can move inside very easily. Most of them can and be guards. Am I wrong? We got, we get, did I get that? No, you're, yeah, you're right. All right, so I, I'm sorry, folks, we're speeding along here because we have a time limit, and I need to get to our sponsor, and that would be Jim Hawk. You see, most of us are practically did anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams' history with personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood scene, Grit Glamour, in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams, the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out the story of his father and the team he played for an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers and rebound players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elway, Crazy Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s LA Rams. You can find Hawk's book on Online at hollowsteam.com or on Twitter at hollowsteam. It's available both on hardback and electronic form at Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And this September, September 6th, it comes out on paperback, folks. It's for a great cause. All proceeds go to Homeboy Industries out there in Southern California. They work to get people out of the gang life and making them productive members of society. And it's affordable. It's a great piece of Rams history. It's a great sort of a father and his team and the story came from son check it out Hall was seeing great glamour in the 1950s los angeles rams by jim hawk it's well worth your time okay so here we go our interview with chad ryan from the redskins capital connection he has a lot of things to say just a note we did record this before Ruben foster went down to injury so there is some conversation there about it but he still has some interesting things to say about the situation as well check it out oh and by the way gonna love the aussie accent you will love the Aussie accent. I promise. Here it is. Chad Ryan from the Redskins Capital Connection. All right, folks. I am here with Chad Ryan from the Redskins Capital Connection. And you're going to have to enjoy the accent. He's, calling, he's talking to us from Down Under in Australia. Chad, how you doing? G'day, Derek. I'm doing well. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on and representing the Redskins for our tour around the league. And uh, right right away, just jump into it. How do you evaluate the 2018 Redskins, and what were their successes and their failures? Uh, so it's it's a great question, Derek. And I guess um, if you look at it on paper, it was another another um, lost season for the Redskins. Um, but that would be doing a disservice to the reality. I mean, when you look at last year, they were six and three going into that Houston Texan game uh, where Alex Smith broke his leg so spectacularly. Um, you know, they hadn't had really convincing blowout wins, but they were 6-3. and three. They were doing enough, um, and that included wins against the Carolina Panthers, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Green Bay Packers, for example. It wasn't like they'd only beaten minnows. Yeah, they, they played the Cardinals in Week 1 and blew them out 24-6, to six, but, you know, there were some big wins in that, uh, that six-win um, streak as well. So, you know, last year's – if you really try to evaluate last year, it all comes down to the quarterback position. And once Alex Smith went down, the Redskins only won one more game for the season. They, you know, they went from 6-3 and three to finishing 7-9. and nine. Um, You know, they, they tried a lot of different people at quarterback. But when you, when you have a season where Mark Sanchez takes snaps for you, you know things are not going well. So that's really what happened last year for the Redskins. You know, there, there were blocks – there were signs last year. The Redskins – are not, you know, in their Super Bowl window at the moment, and they wouldn't have been even if Alex Smith stayed healthy. But there's really promising signs. They've built a really strong young defense, especially in the front seven, um, which is, you know, arguably the biggest success that you can attribute to the Redskins at the moment. Their front seven is a legitimate top five front seven in the entire NFL. Um, in terms of their failures, well, they still lack um, real blue chip weapons um, at wide receiver. Um, they have a great tight end in Jordan Reed who cannot stay healthy and hasn't been able to stay healthy in years. So I don't think you can really count him as a as a blue chip player anymore, even though that when he's healthy, he's probably one of, well, now that Gronk's retired, one of the top two, top three tight ends in the NFL. Um, so the point I'm making is there are really good pieces on this Redskins roster, but through a myriad of um, things like injuries, not including um, the Alex Smith injury, but as I said, Jordan Reed can't stay healthy. They had so many offensive line injuries last year. Um we, we haven't really gotten a good chance to see what the ceiling for this Redskins team is yet because they haven't had that run-up to achieve it. So two players do stand out as important for the team's plans in 2018. They both got hard. Darius Geis and Alex Smith. Now, given the Redskins' moves, it's probably safe to say 
Smith's career is over, but can you verify that for us? And what's Guy's status? Uh, so on Alex Smith, um, I'm reticent to say yes, 100% his career is over, but in all likelihood, he won't play again. Um, I mean, it is now what we're nine months removed from his injury. He's still in, um, he's, he's not walking around or anything. He's still in the leg pins and the leg brace. Um, and when I say leg brace, um, if you haven't seen the photos of it, it, and if you're not familiar with it, it is hard to explain. It's not a cast. It's not an air cast. He has pins in his leg and like a metal um almost like scaffolding supporting his leg um so he still gets around either on crutches or in a wheelchair um really really just a devastating injury for alex smith because he i mean obviously last year was his first year with the team but he is a really really good dude i met him last year um spoken to him a few times you know great guy great family um you know it comes in with the exact right attitude so it's a shame that the redskins realistically aren't going to see where he could have taken us. Um, so, yeah, Alex Smith is not part of the plans for the Redskins in 2019, um, I guess is the short way I'd answer that question. Um, but then Darius Geis absolutely is. Darius Geis um, is well on track to come back and be ready um, for full participation in training camp preseason and then going into the NFL season in 2019. Um, out of all the players on the Redskins roster, Darius Geis is probably the player I'm closest to. Um, in, in my office here right now, I'm looking at a, a photo of me and Darius Geis last year. Um, out of all the players at training camp, Darius was probably the one I spent the most time with. Um, he's just a – he is – I say this without any negative connotation. He's a big kid. Like, he's very immature, but not in a bad way, in a good way. Like, he, you know, just approaches everything with the most energy and vigor and um, youthful exuberance that I've seen in a player in a long time, really. Um and, uh, you know, I hope it doesn't blow up in his face in any way. Uh, I don't think it will. Uh, certainly not of his own fault. Um, but it, it is just a refreshing attitude in the NFL. And, yeah, he is fine. Um, he had a little bit of a setback uh, pretty early on in his recovery after his surgery. He, he had an infection, um, which is not uncommon, um, on his knee after the operation for his uh, ACL. But uh, since then, it's been fine. You you know, you can go onto his Instagram or his Twitter and stuff and see videos of him um, working out. He does not look limited in any way at the moment. Obviously, there's no rush. So the, uh, the team and his doctors will certainly have him on a rehabilitation plan that sort of builds up to it. It's one of those things that if tomorrow was the Super Bowl, for example, and the Redskins were miraculously in it, Darius guys could play. Um, so yeah, he'll he'll be good to go this year, and I think he'll be a very, very um, good fantasy football pickup for those interested in that side of things, because yeah, the Redskins did bring back Adrian Peterson as well, and there will be naturally some sort of load sharing. Um, you know, we haven't seen what Darius Geis can bring beyond, you know, one half of a preseason game in Foxborough last year. And what we saw is, you know, amazing talent. Um, obviously, Adrian Peterson's a Hall of Famer. I'm not saying Darius Geis is going to come out of the blocks and be better than Adrian Peterson. But what I am saying is Adrian Peterson is not the future of this team. Darius Geis at running back is the future of this team. So Jay Gruden and Randy Jordan, the running back running backs coach, will definitely want to give him the lion's share of touches where they can. So looking at the rest of the roster, how did the Redskins do in free agency? What were their best signings and what were their, well, most questionable? Uh, so, I mean, obviously, anytime you give a player a six-year, $84 million contract, that's probably going to be your marquee free agent signing. And um, safety Landon Collins from the New York Giants, uh, yeah, he is the free agent signing of this offseason for the Washington Redskins. Um, this is, you know, an all-pro talent. Um, he's young. He's hungry. Uh, I mean, this this guy was drafted um, back in the 2015 NFL draft. He's been a pro bowl, a pro bowl Sorry, a pro bowler or an all-pro pretty much every season since he's entered the league. He's still only 25 years old. Um, he'll be 25 throughout this season. It's not like he turns 26 throughout this season. Um, so the Redskins locking him up for six years at $84 million is a boon. Um, the, the Redskins really haven't had a blue-chip player at safety since the late, great Sean Taylor, um, you know, who passed away over 10 years ago now. So it's really been a position of need for some time. Um, the Redskins have good pieces in the secondary with players like Josh Norman, for example, at corner, um, but there's been a big uh, gap at that safety spot for a while. So this is going to be a really exciting um, addition for the Redskins in 2019. Um, the other one I'd already touched on, for example, was Adrian Peterson. The Redskins brought him back for two years on $8 million. Um, realistically, that's a one-year contract with the opportunity for a second year contract you know how contracts work in the nfl um and then in terms of the free agent signing that may not have been i, I won't call it worst but uh 
it, it's hard to think of the, the descriptive word to best describe it. And it was more of a last season thing than an off season thing. But so, yeah, when the Redskins signed Reuben Foster um, 24 hours after he got arrested, um, it was an unnecessary risk for them to take. Now, he's since been acquitted and doesn't look like, or at least the, the Redskins um, president, Bruce Allen, doesn't believe he'll be looking at a suspension. Um, but it was just a PR hit the Redskins didn't need to take. And, you know, it's come out that they really didn't do any sort of investigation work on their own. So it's equally possible that he, you know, was guilty of what he was accused and did go to jail and, you know, the Redskins signed him for nothing. Um, so, yes, it has worked out. But, you know, on paper, that was an unnecessary risk to take. We'll see. Um, we'll see how it works out on the field this year. I guess now that's uh, now that he's been acquitted, that's all that matters. How do you rate how the Redskins did in the draft? I, I like, by the way, the first round move especially. But which picks are you most excited about? Well, look, I mean, yeah, you, anytime you take a quarterback in the first round of the draft, you're, you're naturally going to be the most excited about that pick. And Dwayne Haskins at quarterback at pick 15, um, he will be given every opportunity to quote-unquote win the starting um, quarterback job. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't start week one. I think it might be... Um, I'm trying to think of the, the equivalent example, maybe like a Baker Mayfield situation where he didn't start week one. Obviously, it's a, a vastly different scenario. Um, Hugh Jackson is not our coach. We have a coach who's not terrible. Um, he's not great, but he's not terrible. Um, so, you know, it might be a case of Case Keenum or Colt McCoy starts week one or so just to um, slowly build up to a Dwayne Haskins um, introduction. Or maybe Dwayne Haskins does just blow over and away and start week one. Um, I will say on the quarterback situation, though, um, I know from speaking to people both inside the Redskins, who I trust implicitly, but also outside of the Redskins, um, in the lead-up to the draft, Dwayne Haskins was not the quarterback that they wanted to be their future quarterback. It was actually Josh Rosen. The Redskins really wanted to trade for Josh Rosen. Um, they were prepared to pay a pretty good price for him. But the Arizona Cardinals um, general manager, Steve Kime, just he, he, he muffed it. Like He knew the Redskins wanted him. Um, the Redskins told him, Look, we, we want him, but once we are seven days away from the draft, we need to set our draft board, um, the deals off the table at that point. And Steve Kime didn't pull the plug. And in the end, you know, the Cardinals took Kyler Murray um, and then traded Josh Rosen to the Dolphins for a pretty paltry price. The Redskins would have bought Josh Rosen for a much higher price than the Dolphins paid for him if they did it a week before the draft. That didn't happen, so the Redskins went to their um, draft board and took Dwayne Haskins at 15. What blows me away, I mean, and having talked to the Cardinals guy a couple, a couple weeks ago, Bo Bracken, just how inept Steve Kime has been for a guy who would play a major role in building a playoff contender for a couple of years. What the heck has happened to the Cardinals organization? It yeah. blows me away. I hadn't heard that, so I'm just reacting to it. But you mentioned Haskins as well. I'm an Ohio State guy. I watched every single one of Haskins' snaps last year. I mean, I went to Ohio State. I grew up on Ohio State football. I know Ohio State football. And honestly, the Redskins are best off letting him sit for the year. Get in there and learning it. He's he's still raw in several areas that you want him to be. He, I think he'll be. I think he will be a franchise quarterback. I think he can be a Pro Bowl quarterback, but. I mean, he only started for Ohio State for one year, and it was a heck of a year. But I really believe if the Redskins want to really max out his growth, give him a chance to develop behind these guys. Don't throw him in there. Yeah, and I think I think if Alex Smith, well, it's kind of a moot point because if Alex Smith didn't get hurt, the Redskins wouldn't be drafting a quarterback in the first round this year. But you know, in a magical hypothetical world, if the Redskins had Alex Smith on the roster at the moment and Dwayne Haskins, I think that would absolutely be the plan. Um, I think the Redskins would love to sit. Dwayne Haskins um, on the bench behind Alex Smith for a season and just let him learn from Alex Smith. Agreed entirely. However, when you're, you're starting options beyond Dwayne Haskins, a Case Keenum or Colt McCoy, it becomes a little bit harder to justify sitting such a high investment on the bench. So we will see what happens. But hey, speaking of Ohio State, um, my favorite pick from the draft this year for the Redskins wasn't actually Dwayne Haskins. It was another Ohio State guy in the third round. Um, by the name of Terry McLaurin. Um, this wide receiver, you know, is a two-time captain at Ohio State. Um, you know, everything I've seen from him, um, this guy just has the highest possible character you'd want from a football player, especially a wide receiver, a position which, you know, is notorious for having these diva personalities. And you see guys this offseason like Odell Beckham and Antonio Brown just making these sort of outlandish declarations and drawing all sorts of attention to themselves off the field. Um, Terry McLaurin is like, 
he, he comes across as just the polar opposite of that. This is a dude who just wants to work. Um, by the way, runs a four three five forty. Like this, he's six foot tall and runs that fast. I'm really excited to see um, what happens when he gets into a pro system and starts, you know, that route tree starts opening up for him a little bit. Um, not taking away anything from Ohio State's game plan or their playbook or anything like that. But obviously the pros are, you know, quite significantly different to college level football. And um, McLaurin, I think, has all the tools to be, you know, really, really successful wide receiver at this level. Well, also I think with McLaurin, he was in an offense with three or four other really talented receivers. Ohio State has been loaded at wide receiver the last couple of years. And he was never in a position really to kind of stand out and be that star guy. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Terry McLaurin develop into a star now that he has an opportunity to be that guy. And yeah. I'd, be, I'd be really, I'd be one thrilled for him, but it also speaks to the kind of talent that Ohio State has had in their last couple of years, which also kind of ticks me off a little bit because they should have done more than they did, quite frankly. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm honest. You know, that, that's a team that, that, uh, that college, that university puts out some serious talent and they're not in there like Clemson, Alabama is every year. Why? So just want to go ahead and point that out. I wouldn't be surprised if McLaurin becomes that guy. Now, Montez Sweat, though, you guys went and gotten him late in the first round. He drops all the way down. How do you feel about that pick? Yeah, so, I mean, that's something the Redskins haven't done. If you don't include the 2012 pre-draft trade-up for RG3, the Redskins haven't traded up into the first round in a long, long time. I think about 16 or 17 years from memory. Um, so the fact that they traded up into the back end of the first round with the Colts to get Montez Sweat was um, surprising. Um, once once they picked Dwayne Haskins at 15, um, I think most Redskins reporters were like, okay, let's, let's start writing our copy on Dwayne Haskins. We're pretty much done for the night. And then it was like, whoa, hang on. Um, so the, the circumstances that um, got him were surprising. Look, Montez Sweat is, um, you know, just hugely like the, the the word for him is potential like he has all the tools it looks like you'd want from a speed rusher on the edge especially in a 3-4 defense that the Redskins play um he can you know play opposite Ryan Kerrigan who is probably one of the most underrated defensive players in the NFL over the last 10 years by the way um he can play opposite Ryan Kerrigan and really um just add to that already dangerous and already nasty front seven that I was talking about earlier um you know he he was an all SEC pick um, he, he set the 2019 NFL combine record, um, for a defensive lineman running the 40 yard dash. Now you can make an argument is Montez sweat, technically a defensive lineman. Eh, he's more of a outside linebacker, but whatever, but four, four, one for a edge rusher who is six foot six and 260 pounds. Um, uh, this is, this dude is a beast. Now, why did he drop to the end of the first round of the draft? There's some concerns about his health, um, because he was, you know, I've spoken to Montez Sweat's agent. He says it's a misdiagnosis, but he was, you know, in the lead up to the draft, there was talk about a heart condition, um, a hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, um, which is kind of like a irregular heartbeat, is mm-hmm. as is my understanding, um, prompting some t- teams to supposedly just completely remove him from their draft boards. Um, the Redskins clearly have done their work on him and feel that, you know, that's not a risk that uh, they're concerned about. Uh, Montez Sweat, for his own point of view, certainly says it's not something to worry about, that he doesn't feel like it's an issue. Um, so I guess we'll see. But if, you know, if that's not an issue, then Montez Sweat potentially is the steal of the first round. So let's kind of look forward now to 2019 with all the, the roster changes, the draft, and you guys really appear to have had a, a good draft, at least on paper. Are the Redskins now a playoff contender? Are they in a position now to where they could be dangerous in the NFC? Look, in the NFC East, you, you, never, you can never – every year you think – Oh, this might be an interesting year in the NFC East. And whatever you think going into a year, the, your predictions are always wrong. I mean, a few years ago, who would have told you at the start of the, at this point of the season, two years ago, if someone said the Philadelphia Eagles win the Super Bowl this year, by the way, Carson Wentz gets hurt in week five or whatever, and Nick Foles is the Super Bowl MVP, you would have laughed, you would have laughed right in my face. Like the NFC East is just a weird division. Um, there hasn't been a consistently strong team in the NFC East for 20 years um you know it's just not a division where you get the same team finishing first in the division two years three years four years in a row it just doesn't happen um so by that notion yes the redskins are a contender but i kind of think most years they're a contender in the nfc east just because it is so 
crazy and chaotic. Now, do I think the Redskins, pardon me, do I think the Redskins are a contender for the NFC title this year and, you know, a ticket to the Super Bowl? No, probably not. It's unlikely that Dwayne Haskins in his first year, assuming he's even the starting quarterback, is ready to, you know, take the team there. However, you look at the Redskins' pieces, they've got all their best pieces are really young. There's no really old pieces that the Redskins are relying on, with the exception of Trent Williams at left tackle, who's, you know, on the wrong side of 30 now. But... Their defensive front, you guys like Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis, all young. Montez Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan, still pretty young. Um, inside linebackers, Reuben Foster, we touched on earlier the off-field issues, but on-field, he's a blue-chip prospect, young. Um, Landon Collins, young. So the defense is where this team is going to build its success this year. They still need weapons at wide receiver. I mean, yeah, I love Terry McLaurin, um, but beyond him, our options are Paul Richardson, um, Trey Quinn, Josh Doxon. None of these guys are, you know, guys that you're going to go into bat for as a genuine blue chip wide receiver. So, yeah, like it's a really difficult question to answer for the Redskins every year, and it's the same this year. Yes, I think the Redskins can win the NFC East. I have no idea if they will. Um, I have no idea if they don't. Who will? Um, I don't think it'll be the Giants, but you know, this is exactly the kind of year where you're like, oh, one team in the NFC East looks really bad. They'll probably come out and win eight games and you know be in the contending um, in Week 17. So who the hell knows in this division? I'm going to press you a little bit, though. I want to see if you can kind of... Where, where do you rank the Redskins on paper, though, right now? And how many wins do you see on their schedule? Look, I mean, they, they have a, a pretty tough schedule this year. Uh, they have games against the New England Patriots, the San Francisco 49ers, the Minnesota Vikings, um, the Green Bay Packers, and the Carolina Panthers, again, in terms of out-of-division NFC games, and, of course, the NFC East, as we've already touched on. Who the hell knows? So... I, I really don't know how to answer that definitively. You know, I'm not trying to weasel out of it. It's I will say this. I don't think the Redskins will sweep or get swept by any of their division opponents. Um, so given that, I think the Redskins, sort of their floor, um, I don't think they'll win less than six games. I don't think they'll win more than 10 games, uh, which means they, they're going to be right in that window if things go right for them in terms of injuries and a couple of key wins and avoiding some embarrassing losses. Um, and then as you go into that tail end of the season, week 14, 15, 16, 17, their last three games are, get, are against NFC East opponents. So I think it's really going to come down to that part of the season for them. Um, you know, if they're something like six and five going into week, you know, 14, 15, um, and then a couple of division wins are going to be the difference between making the playoffs and not. I think that's going to be the likely scenario for the Washington Redskins in 2019. Okay, so can you let folks know where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find Redskins Capital Connection, and where they can follow the rest of your work? Yeah, sure. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at ChadWikoRCC. That's C-H-A-D-W-I-K-O-R-C-C. You can find Redskins Capital Connection at RedskinsCapitalConnection.com, and you can find Redskins Capital Connection on Instagram and Facebook um, by searching for that name. Um, Redskins Capital Connection is primarily a podcast family. We have a couple of different podcasts, but... the Redskins Capital Connection flagship is the uh, the main podcast we have in our family. So anywhere you get podcasts, you can search for Redskins Capital Connection or just search Redskins. And uh, we're usually the first or second one that comes up. All right. Well, thanks so much, Chad, for taking the time, especially down under. I know, folks, you didn't hear the early conversation before the show started. He is in Australia. He's, it is, I'm recording this at 9 nearly 9.30 on May 16th, whenever this actually releases, which puts him on Friday morning. So I'm actually, like, bugging you during your work day. Well, I mean, uh, you would be if I wasn't on paternity leave. Uh, my wife and I had our first kid a couple of weeks ago, so I'm still on um, leave for a couple of weeks uh, enjoying that. So, yeah, good timing. Well, congratulations, man, and good luck to you in your season, and hopefully we're talking to you again soon. Thanks, Derek. Have a good one. Take care now. All right. By the way, I don't know how you feel about the Redskins. I think they'll be better, but they're not making the playoffs. They just got too many holes. <laughs> well, let's just go with that. <laughs> I, yeah, well, it is time for us to go. If you're interested in sponsoring us, check us out at ramstop1945gmail.com. Send us an email. Leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ramstalk. And also, don't forget, we have a Facebook group, the Rams Talk Room. We created that because Facebook keeps messing with the algorithms for our groups, our page, 
go there. Check it out, Rams Talk Room. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You can find Michael at OneDuke23. Don't forget us on Apple uh, Apple Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. Don't forget about our other shows, Butting Heads. That's with Steve and Johnny, and also Rams Uncensored. Great guys who will make you laugh if you like rated R material. And also, don't forget about if you like online radio, you can find us at iebro.com on Sundays and Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. So, for Mike and the entire Rams Talk staff, this is Derek C. Paul saying take it easy, have a great one, and we are out of here. Out of here. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Get it out Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV.